Thank you for tuning into sermons from Liberty Baptist Church in Newport Beach, California. Our goal is to help you know God more and take the next step in your spiritual journey, no matter where you're at. If you have questions about God or about Liberty, you can connect with us at libertybaptistchurch.org. We pray that the Lord will use this message to be a help and encouragement in your life. Second Corinthians chapter 12, if you have your Bible, Second Corinthians chapter 12. I'm not going to be long tonight, 657. Um, if I finish early, uh, Pastor Ryan said, you'll love me even more. So that's what I'm shooting for. And uh, no, I'm, I'm just excited to share the word with you tonight. He said it's, it's kind of this month for you guys. I know it's summer series and there's different topics and things like that. He didn't give me anything specific, but he said it was about uh, leading teens and, and helping those who lead teens. Um, I was a youth pastor for almost seven years, like I mentioned. I don't have any teenagers yet. I'm getting fairly close with my 12-year-old. Um, but um, I'm going to do my best to share with you some things from 2 Corinthians 12 about that. I'm, it's not really specific. It's not really how to reach teenagers. I just want to share my heart with you, um, what the Word says, and then what the Lord has shown me in my own personal life um, in 2 Corinthians. So let's, let's jump right in this, this, this evening, and we may pray in a moment if I remember to over the message, but I know uh, Pastor Sammy already did. But 2 Corinthians, this letter, this second letter that Paul wrote to the church at Corinth, the church at Corinth, I'm not going to take too much time, but man, they were a messy church, weren't they? They were uh, a church that seemed to have a lot of issues. Um, sure, they had the false teachers that were coming in and trying to teach a different gospel and trying to tear down Paul's authority, the apostle Paul, and things like that. But beyond even that, there was a lot of uh, sinful things and just sexual sins and just a lot of really messed up stuff in the church at Corinth here. And Paul was continually kind of pointing them back to Christ, but also he really gave it to them. He would really be brutal with them sometimes, and he was also very, uh, you know, just specific with them. And we get to chapters 10, 11, 12, and 13, and some people think that it's a, it's a third letter, and they kind of unified the two letters into one. That really doesn't matter tonight, but it kind of takes on a different tone, these last four chapters, than the rest of 2 Corinthians chapters 1 through 9. And we see, starting in chapter 12, Paul begins talking to this church at Corinth, and he's writing this letter how, how he, had, uh, he had nothing to boast about. Even though Paul himself, this apostle, uh, had had this, ex- this supernatural experience when he was caught up in this third heaven and saw things that nobody could ever explain, and these amazing, supernatural, miraculous things that Paul had experienced personally in his life and ministry, he said, I'm not going to boast about that kind of stuff. Even though it's true, it really wouldn't be bragging because it's the truth. He goes, but I'm not going to do that. And he mentions those in the first five or six verses. And then he says in verse 7, he says, And lest I should be exalted above measure through the abundance of the revelations, there was given to me a thorn in the flesh, uh, uh, the messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I should be exalted above measure. I want to share some things tonight, and we're going to go through the rest of the chapter I was thinking as I was preparing this message, and I didn't want to just preach something that I've already preached back home, so I said, man, this is kind of a specific topic. I haven't really preached a message about leading teens and things like that at our church yet, and I, I was really thinking, Lord, what, what can I talk about? And um, the Lord brought me to this passage. We see Paul here as he's reaching these people, as he's investing in these people uh, at the church at Corinth. There's some things that I see in the life of Paul, and I hope the teenagers are listening as well, because this isn't just going to be for those who lead teenagers. This is for, our, for the teenagers as well. I love teenagers. Um, I, I really do. I enjoyed 
um, investing specifically in the youth group at our church in Michigan. And right now, as a small church, we really don't have any teenagers. And so um, it's nice to have some in the room tonight. And I hope you're listening and paying attention. The Word of God is for you, too. It's not just for your parents and youth leaders. It's, it's for you, too. God's got plans for your life right now, too. Not when you grow up and graduate, but right now. Um, so I want to help you tonight, and I want to help those who lead you as well. I see some things in the life and ministry of Paul, and as he's trying to lead and invest in these people. In verse 7, he had said, I, I, I was given a thorn in the flesh, this trial, this, this hindrance, this struggle, whatever you want to call it, uh, a messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I should be exalted by measure. So he really had nothing to brag about. In verse 8, he says, for this thing I besought the Lord thrice that it might depart me. He's like, I prayed and asked God three different times to take this thorn, to take this trial, to take this struggle away from me, and he didn't. I see Paul, first of all, was very honest with these people. He's very open with them. Um, what I love about the passage as well is he doesn't give a specific thing. He doesn't say, you know, I had this health difficulty that kind of hindered me um, from investing more, and I ask. He didn't say, I had this uh, temptation that I was dealing with, this sinful temptation or lust, and it wasn't anything specific, and I think the Lord obviously knew what he was doing when this was penned, because for us, we don't get to say, if it said health, if it was Paul had said that it was a health problem, then those of us that have health problems would relate to that. But all the rest of us would say, well, that's really not for me. That was for those with health problems. If it was something about a sinful temptation or desire, that was Paul's thorn or some certain trial that was specific, those who struggle with the same thing could relate, and the rest of us really wouldn't get it. It says a thorn in the flesh. It doesn't give any specifics, so it really is for all of us. It's for all of us. And Paul was honest. He was honest. He said, listen, I didn't want this in my life. He didn't say, well, this, was, this trial was there, and I know it. He said, three times I tried and prayed and asked God to take it away from me, and he didn't. He was honest. He was open with this church at Corinth. Verse 9, he says, and he said unto me, Jesus answering, see it in red letters there, my grace, Jesus said, my grace is sufficient for thee. My strength is made perfect in weakness. Jesus said, hey, I know you're praying, Paul, for this to be taken away, but my grace is enough for you. Uh, my strength in you is made perfect in your weaknesses. And what does Paul say in the end of verse 9? Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities, that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Verse 10, therefore I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in necessities, in persecutions, in distresses for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Paul not only was honest, but Paul was real with these people. He was authentic. I know that kind of goes along with being open and honest, but a step further, he was real. He said, yeah, it didn't go away. And Jesus said, my grace is sufficient for you. So I'm trying to glory. I'm trying to, to have joy and to thank God in my infirmities, in my distresses, in my persecutions. And Paul had it all, didn't he? All the shipwrecks and jail time and all that jazz. Paul went through it all, and he said, I'm trying to glory in these things, because when I'm weak, then I'm strong. When I'm facing these challenges, then God is with me, giving me strength, not from my own talents and abilities, but from him alone. He was real with them. He was willing to admit those things. And goes on in verses 11 through 14, again talks about those who were trying to tear down his authority, and, and talks about how he had sent people to them, and how they encouraged him, and how people were lying about him and his authority, and all those things. In verse 15, he, he gets there and says, verse 15, and I will very gladly spend and be spent for you, though the more abundantly I love you, the less I be loved. Yes, Paul was honest and open with the people. 
Yes, Paul was real with them. He didn't hold back. And Paul was willing. He was willing to do what? He was willing to really do whatever. He said, I'll spend and be spent for you. I will give of myself. I will sacrifice. I'll go through it all for you, even though you may not like it, even though you may not want it. The last few verses of chapter uh, 12 here, he goes on and says in verses uh, 16, 17, and 18 how he had sent Titus and how Titus had encouraged him. And he says near the end of the chapter, he kind of finalized by saying, listen, and I'm worried about coming back. God may humble me yet again because I may get back and you're still going to be in those same sins that I've challenged you and told you to get away from and to rest in Christ and you're probably still going to be there. And Paul is just really being real with these people. So you say, well, what can, what can we um, learn from Paul? Well, Paul was going to love and serve these people regardless of where they were at. We see that in his heart, in his writings, even in this chapter. Because what does Paul know? Paul knows that it is Jesus who gives grace to lead those who don't always want to be led. Can I say that again, church? It is Jesus who gives grace to Paul, yes, to lead those who don't always want to be led. And for you, church family tonight, Liberty Baptist Church, whether you lead teenagers or not, Maybe you got, you're a parent of some six and seven and eight-year-olds, some babies. Maybe your kids are all grown. Maybe you just teach Sunday school. I don't know. The truth is, all of us are leading somebody, even teenagers, even our teenagers tonight. Someone's looking up to you, too. Someone's watching you, too. And it's Jesus who gives us grace to lead those who don't always want to be led. And on the flip side of that, church, it is Jesus who gives grace to be led. Because the truth is, even us adults, we don't always like to be led. Men, we don't always like to be led. We like to be the leaders, don't we? So when someone comes to us with a criticism, someone comes to us with something, we're like, hey, hey, stop, stop, stop. But it's Jesus who gives grace to be led when we don't always want to be. Now, I was a youth pastor for a long time, for a couple years. Not, not as long as Pastor Jay was, right? 22 years. He said that tonight. I'm like, wow, I, man, I thought I had some kind of youth pastor wisdom. Obviously not. This guy no, probably knows it all. And uh, no, but I was a youth pastor for a while, and um, we, we saw some crazy stuff. We saw some funny stuff. We saw a lot. And right at the end of that tenure there, I, I really had thought I kind of had figured it out. And I was kind of disappointed. I'm like, man, I'm getting ready to go on deputation. And I feel like I finally have the heart of these teenagers, and I finally kind of really kind of felt like I was in my wheelhouse, you know, I was getting ready to start something else I didn't know anything about. And in the years since we left there, it's been about, my goodness, five, six years now, I look back on my time as a youth pastor. I was only 21 when I started doing it, which is kind of crazy to think that someone would hire a 21-year-old. But at that time, for me, in Michigan, I had one little baby boy, and we just had a lot of heart, man. We were just like, yeah. But I look back at some of the things I said and did and preached, and um, it's humbling to admit, I I know, I don't think, I know, I, I preached probably a lot of spiritually unhealthy stuff. Because it's all I knew. Because it's the way I lived my Christian life. Hey, if you, teenagers, if you, this is what I would, if you do this and this and this and this, then God, a.k.a. I, will be pleased with you. Ooh, that's not good. 
And I would say, that's kind of, was really the crux of every message. It kind of always pointed back to, and how, how do you look? How do you, what are you doing? Are you here every single time to, you know, make sure? Because yeah, we had Sunday school, Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, this and that, and blah, blah, blah. We had a billion things going on. And I'm like, you need to be here. And if you're not, I'm, you know, I'm praying for you. And it was just this really spiritually unhealthy environment. Now, did we have fun? Yes. Did I love the teens? Did we love the teens? Yes, we did. But we didn't really understand grace at all at that point. I had not really learned to accept grace. Definitely hadn't learned to show it, that's for sure. And since that time, I look back and, and I've thought, like, if I could go back, if I could go back, what would I say? What, what did those teens really need? at that time. If I could go back and, and take back some of those sermons that I preached that were really legalistic and that were really kind of more uh, focused on just looking good and playing the part when internally some of those teens were probably so broken. Because guess what? I was. I, as a youth pastor, oh man, Sammy, I had some issues, bro, that nobody knew about. I had some, some inner deep insecurities and struggles and, and fears and, 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 and all these different things. I was going through a lot internally, but I was trying to play the part. I mean, I had to, I had to wear all these hats in ministry, and I'm like, I got to make sure I'm doing things right. And, and, but I was internally just broken, just trying to stay above, just trying to gasp for air whenever I could spiritually. And I'd preach a message, or I'd lead singing at a big youth conference, or I'd do this and that, and, and the whole time I'm like, those were the things that were kind of giving me, um, I don't know, what's the word? Fulfillment. And I always felt empty, but I always kind of was trying for more. And those teens probably, they didn't need me just to, to probably say the things that I said to them and expect so much all the time. And they needed, they needed really what Paul was given to this church of Corinth. You know what my teens need? You know what the teens here need? Hey, you know what your kids need? They need you to be open. Hey, parents, they need you to be open. They need you to be honest with them. They need you to be, re they need you to, to be honest and open about your own struggles. So, well, yeah, but then what are they going to... They need you to be open so that they can see the grace of Christ working in you. Amen. Right? They need to hear you apologize. Yes. Yes. Sure, to your spouse, but to them. Because right. can I remind us all, you're not perfect. You're, right. you're like, wow, I can't believe you invited this guy to preach. He's being kind of mean tonight, right? They need you to be open. They need to see the grace of Christ working in you, because probably your kids already know that you're not perfect. Youth leaders, and maybe you're not, you don't have, you're not a parent of teenagers, but youth leaders, Sunday school teachers, those who lead teenagers, this is kind of what the message all is pointing to in a way, they already know you're not perfect. And for parents, can I say that if your kids do think you're perfect, if your teenagers do think that you're perfect, man, they're really going to be shattered when they find out that you're not. So it probably would be a good idea to remind them. If they think that, man, the sun rises and sets on you, I love my parents. I know they're not perfect. But you got to be open. You got to be real. I can't tell you how many times, <laughs> you know, we're driving, I'm driving with my kids, my four boys in the back, and, 
and they're just, they're just being boys. They're just being boys, but I'm trying to focus or this and that, or they're doing something. I had asked them to do this or that, and I finally just snap. Hey, I told you, and I said, I'm yelling at them, and then the van gets quiet. And the Spirit of God says, hey, jerk. <laughs> Does he ever say that to you? I hope so. Maybe he's nicer to you, but he says, hey, I gave those kids to you. Hey, do I ever, you know, lash out at you impatiently, Donald? And I'll have to sit there and I'll say, hey, boys, daddy was impatient there. I was being kind of a jerk. I'm sorry, kids. Forgive me. And you know what's amazing? My kids don't say, well, dad, you know. <laughs> no, they say, it's okay, dad. And the grace that they showed to me and by the way, even, and, and I, w- I wish I could say I've been doing this for their whole life, and it's not that way. I've had to have my own journey of grace. I was, uh, man, I, I spent a lot of years as a husband and as a dad being really prideful, being really arrogant, being a real jerk, and really impatient, high expectations. And God flipped me upside of my head a couple years back. So more recently, in the last few years, I've tried to be honest with my kids. Hey, you know what? Dad shouldn't have been said that to mommy. I should, I should have been more patient with mommy. Now you saw that, and that was wrong of me to do, kids. It's okay, dad. Usually my kids defend me if we're having a discussion of sorts. So I like that, right? No, no, I said, I said boys, dad, dad shouldn't have done that. Forgive me. Forgive me. And they do. And by the way, it's crazy. The more I've been honest with them and open with them and, and, and real about myself and my own personal flaws and sins and things like that, I'm still their hero, oddly enough. So you don't have to be perfect or look like you are. You've got to be open, because openness brings brokenness, a brokenness of, of who we are trying to be in our own strength, and that brokenness leads to freedom, freedom in Jesus Christ. Your kids need to see the freedom of Jesus Christ in your life. Parents, teachers, whoever, they need to see the freedom of Jesus Christ at work in your life. You have to be open. And for the teenagers here tonight, who maybe probably already know that your parents and leaders, youth pastors, whoever, aren't perfect, can I, can I remind you, if you don't know that, your leaders aren't perfect. Hey, teens, your parents aren't perfect. They're going to mess up. They're going to make mistakes. And you've got to show grace to them, teens, please. They're, listen, they're trying their best. They're probably scared out of their minds. Thank God I don't have teen girls. I'll never have teen girls. Hallelujah for that. I got teen boys. Right? I'm a blessed man. No, but listen, teens, show grace. Show grace to your leaders. Understand that they're not perfect. Understand that they're going to make mistakes. And when they do, instead of being like, I can't believe my mom did this, or I can't believe my dad, just show some grace. You, listen, I don't care if you're a teenager. You can show grace as a teenager. You should. If you're saved, if you're a teenager who knows Jesus Christ and accept him, listen, you have everything in your life, the scriptures say, pertaining to life and godliness. You have all, all powers given unto you for all things pertaining to life and godliness. You can show grace to your imperfect parents and leaders. And I, I'm saying that hoping that our parents and leaders will show grace to the teens as well. It's, 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 a, it's a team effort, isn't it? You got to be open. You got to be open. And like Paul was as well with the church, you got to be real. You got to be real with them. 
You gotta be real. Don't try to hide everything. It's, it's, listen, it's, it's impossible for us to hide the challenges that my son Seth has with severe nonverbal. You probably heard him making noise back there already, and I appreciate everybody's patience and grace with that. But that's something that you can't really hide. And there was a time in my life in ministry where I kind of tried to like, oh, I'd be really nervous. Oh, Seth, now I don't care. Our church is great. They're just like, they're all for it, man. They're like, hey, Seth's, uh, we've had Seth dance up the aisle sometimes during worship. I'm like, that's him worshiping, man. Let him dance, all right? Come on, David dance. And, uh, <laughs> right? Um, but we've had, we, we try to be real about those challenges. Try to be real about the low points in life. Listen, church, we just had the hardest year of our lives as a family. 2022 was a banner year for the Savines, or Savinis, whatever you prefer. It was tough. It wasn't just ministry stuff, although that was part of it, trying to build a church on the Cape in a very expensive area. But then you throw in the fact that we were getting, our, our landlord was going to be kicking us out of the house and selling it, so we had to find a place to live, and there's nothing out there. We couldn't find a place to rent. We were stuck in winter rentals there on the Cape, which is just, they rent it out in the summer for like 3000 a week, and in the winter when no one wants to vacation on the Cape, they let someone else rent it for nine months. So we were stuck in two different winter rentals. It was a really, 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 really challenging year for our family, in addition to some personal family struggles in our extended family, it was just, it, it felt like it was nonstop. You ever feel that way? When you feel like you're like in the deep end of the pool and you can't swim well and you're running out of strength and you like go underwater and then you come back up for like two seconds and, and then you back down. That's kind of how it felt for the entire year. And every time you'd be like, hey, it's coming, we're getting ready to get to the shallow end, it would just be like the ground sunk a little bit deeper and it just felt like it was never ending. And guess what, church? There are some things, yes, that will protect our kids from, these young, my young kids. But then there's other times when you can't hide the fact that things are tough. You can't hide the fact that you're struggling. So it was in those times that we had to be real. There were times when, when yes, you know what, my faith would be weak. I'd be stressed. I would act out in my stress towards my kids sometimes, towards my wife, and just, oh, just kind of impatient, and you're just stressed, and there's church stuff and money stuff and everything. And it would be in those times the Spirit of God would again gently push me towards grace and just being real and saying, kids, we're going to have to trust the Lord for this. Listen, this is, we're trying to find a home, and we pray together. Lord, give us somewhere. Give us a home. We've got to be out of this winter rental in, a, in like a month. Give us a home, Lord. And know what was awesome? Because we were real with our kids, and again, I'm not saying that this is, I'm always like this, or that, go me. This is, it seems like few and far between that I actually do the right thing as a dad, you know what I mean? But in those times that we did, that we really rested in the grace of Christ, and, and we would say, hey, things aren't great right now. Life isn't just honky-dory. There's some challenge that we're facing. And let's pray and ask God to meet and to do something, and we were real with them. Then when, whew, then when God would answer the prayer, then when God would give the miracle, guess who got to see it firsthand? My kids. My kids got to see it. I'll never forget, man, we had nowhere, we were like weeks away from to leave this winter rental, had nowhere to go, and I'm like, what are we going to do, what are we going to do? And God met in such an amazing, out of the blue way, and gave us a house that we 
Never would have expected to have with four bedrooms on the Cape. Because we can't just take a two bedroom with, with you know, four kids or something with all. We need, we need someone with a little bit of space. And God provided. And we got to tell the kids, look what God did. We'll, uh, sometimes we'll be sitting in the yard like, look what God gave, you, gave us, guys. And guess what? They can go back to times in their little young hearts and minds when, when they prayed and asked God to do it. It's exciting. You have to be real, though. If you're not real with them, if you hide everything, then they'll never see the grace of God at work in your life. They'll never see the miracles because they, they, they won't even have known that you needed a miracle. See what I mean? You've got to be real. You've got to be real with them. And for the teenagers in the room tonight, your leaders, I'm challenging them. I'm challenging teenagers, your leaders, to be real with you, whether it's your parents, whether it's your youth leaders, whoever. So I'm asking you teenagers to be real with them. I'm asking you to be real with them. Don't hide everything. You got something you're struggling with? Then be honest about it. Be, be real about it. There's something going on in your life. Like we, sometimes we'll sit our kids down and, and we'll know something's off with my oldest or something and I'll be like, and, and we'll really try to talk to them and we want them to be open with us and, and real with us about what they're feeling in their hearts. Be real, be real. I hear Seth saying daddy back there. And lastly, this church. Paul, yes, Paul was honest, he was open, he was real, authentic with them. And then lastly, we saw in verse 15 that he said, I'll, I'll spend and be spent for you. So really for us, those who lead teens, however that is, parents, youth leaders, we got to be willing. It's simple church, it's practical, I understand. I'm not some brilliant theologian by any means. I'm just a guy who's figuring out life day by day, making mistakes, learning from them, trusting Christ. We got to be willing to be spent and be spent. What does that mean? I guess it means going through the hard times of life, investing in people, teenagers, whoever it may be, with all the good, the bad, the ugly that comes with it, and not complaining about it, maybe, and rejoicing that you get to do that that you get to be used of God to raise your kids, to lead kids, teenagers, whoever that may be. We were youth pastors, I said, and I wasn't perfect. And again, I preached probably a lot of stupid stuff that I would never, I wouldn't preach now. I could go back and take it away. But, but one thing that we really tried to do, and it's probably the way we were raised, is that it wasn't, it wasn't as challenging for us to just kind of like give to the teens. We had a lot of bus teenagers, teenagers that would come from, we lived in Jackson, Michigan. Uh, low, very low income city in South Central Michigan, really, really rough. And there were times when teens needed a place to stay because there was abuse in the home or there was this or that or the other thing. And, and I remember we had a young man living with us for four, five, six months. And it's not like we were making billions of dollars as a youth pastor, you know, but God provided. And it was tough times doing that. We had a young lady that um, had been had been raped and had had a baby and her mother kicked her out. Her mother was a drug addict, things like that. And she kicked her out on the street and locked the doors. And this young lady lived with us with her little baby for a few months as well. And that's not, I'm not saying that. So you're like, whoa, that's really nice. I, we didn't really know what else we could do, Sam. You know, you're just like, well, we got to, what else is she going to do? Like, she's a, she's a teenager. You know, this is a little baby. What would I, what would I, what would I want for my kid, for my daughter? For, you know what I mean? And those were tough times. But, but I'll say this, every time we did something like that, 
I feel like God just, he taught us so much. You know, we, we, we still have a relationship with, with these teenagers. This young man that stayed with us, I remember we, we, we were with him, we'd bring him to school, and, and um, we were going away for one week to this preacher's meeting, my wife and I, and, and I think we just had Donald and Seth. And uh, we said, okay, now, young man, I won't say his name, but we said, okay, don't be stupid, <laughs> you know, do, do, do right, okay, we're going to be gone, these people are going to be taking care of you for the week, you know, just, just, we'll be back in like a week. We really, were really pouring into him. And we get a call, it's our anniversary, I think it's our, our, our maybe our, I don't remember what year anniversary it was, third or fourth, fifth anniversary, and we were out at this meeting, and it was on our anniversary, we had some break in the day, and we went out and had dinner, and I get a phone call, and it's... Um, the principal at this young man's school in Michigan, and he's yelling, and he's this, and I can hear this young man's voice in the background cussing him out, and I hear that the police is involved, and this young man had just gotten to some altercation, and it was just like, we're at our anniversary dinner, by the way. <laughs> you know, we had the restaurant, and I'm like, what? What's going on? And coming to find out this, this young man had, you know, had an altercation with the police officer on site at the school and was being arrested. And I hung up the phone, and we just looked at each other, and you're like, you, after pouring for, into this young man's life for like four or five months, you're just like, you feel a little spent. This wasn't just youth pastor stuff. This wasn't just like, hey, I'm going to preach to you, bring out the lunch. This kid was living with us. We were paying his bills. And then this happens, and we just looked at each other across the table and started crying like, Lord. And you know what God taught me in all that, though? And Paul literally says it in the passage here. He says, for Christ's sake that he had served them. I said, you know... This kid at this point, because my, my, my flesh started to say, well, he's not doing the things I want him to do. I, I did all this for him, and now he's doing this. And, and that was kind of the mindset of like, look at all that I, almost like, look what I've done for you, man. And you're going to pull this? Like, come on. And the Spirit of God said, Donald, who are you doing it for? Are you serving this young man for your own sake? Beyond, are you serving this young man just for, for his sake so that if you, then he'll do all of, or are you serving him and, and investing in him and being spent for him for my sake? Because if you're serving and investing in those teenagers and me and that young man's life um, for his sake, then no matter what he does, I can pillow my head and say, we have done our part. We have loved, we have prayed, we have invested, not just so that he does this, or just so I feel this way, but for God and God alone, we are going to invest in this young man's life for his glory and for his sake, then no matter what happens, we know that we have followed God. We have done what he has asked of us. And church, we have to have that heart when you're leading, whether it's your own kids or not. Do it for Him. Yes, and if we're doing it with the right heart, they have to make their own choices. We understand that. But if we're willing to spend and be spent for them, listen, not just the teens who look like they have it all together, because that was easy as a youth pastor, like the ones that were like always there, and you're like, yeah, all of them, every heart. Because by the way, a lot of the times the ones that look like they have it all together are sometimes the most broken. Sometimes the most insecure, they're trying to fit the part to make you proud, but deep inside, they're struggling. We have to be willing. We have to be willing to spend, to be spent, not for my sake, not even really for theirs, but for his and for his alone. And for the teens tonight, 
for the teens tonight that are being led, whether by parents or youth leaders or whatever, when you have someone in your life that is willing to invest in you, they're not perfect, sure, we know that. Can you just be grateful for that? And I don't want the parents to be like, amen, that's not what I'm looking for. Don't. But teenagers tonight, be grateful for that. You're going to have to train your heart and train your mind by the grace of Christ in your young teenage life to say, to not be so cynical about your parents, about your youth leaders, to always think that they have it out for you, but to train your mind by the grace of Christ to be grateful for the leaders that you have in your life. They're not perfect. They're going to make mistakes, and they may not, not always apologize. But your attitude and your heart is up to you. Be grateful for the leaders that you have in your life. Be grateful for the imperfect leaders that are just doing their best to serve you. And in that, teenagers, learn to serve others. You learn now, not when you're, grown, not when you're all grown up and out of high school and out of college. Learn now to start serving others and being willing. Like Paul said, I'm, I'm willing to be spend and be spent. Listen, it's high time now, teenagers, for you to find someone in your life that you can invest in. That you can help. That you can love on and, and help and teach. Not influencing in, in a negative way, but, but in a positive way in serving someone else. We see in the life of Paul and his ministry, yes, he was, he was open. He was real and he was willing. So church, let's, let's all, let's be real. Let's be real. Okay, let's be real. Let's be open. Let's be honest. Don't, don't hide your weaknesses. Don't hide your flaws. I promise they're always going to come back to haunt you. They're always, listen, the devil, the, the, he has these hooks in us, doesn't he? We keep those things, well, I, I'll talk about this and this, but I don't want to talk about this struggle. I don't want to talk about this uh, secret sin or addiction because then what are others going to think? But what are my kids No, 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 those are hooks. And every time you try to stay, take a step forward in your life closer to God and as a leader, he's going to hook you back and say, yeah, but no one knows about this. So we got to be open. Bring that darkness into the light and watch it dissipate. Watch it go away in the grace of Christ. Be open and let's serve each other. And again, it's not by us, it's not by our might or strength or abilities, but no, we can lead others and we can be led only by the grace of Jesus Christ. Thank you for listening to Messages from Liberty. Tune in next week for more Bible teaching or subscribe on iTunes to stay up to date with our current series.